Welcome to Church Online. If you are joining us live, then uh, we are delighted that you've taken time this weekend to do that. If you're listening or watching sometime in the week, that's fantastic too. This is what's going to happen over the next little while. Uh, we're going to join our Rutland Campus 33 in some worship in just a few minutes. I'm very excited that we're able to do that every week. And then we're going to have a message, got our family news, and of course you've got an opportunity to give to the work of Willow Park Church that makes this possible. So we've got lots of different ways that you can get involved. But our prayer is that this weekend and this week or any time you're watching this, that you'll really feel and sense the presence of God and also hear from God. And as we jump into the word, we really want to see lives transformed by Jesus Christ in the Okanagan Valley. So bless you for joining us and we pray that you have a wonderful time in the presence of God. Take care.
we're going to get started.
the things of the world. Come, angels, we must tell the world of this gift God has given to all mankind. Come now, angels, come and register, sing praises to God the Most High. Hot be held, angels, the hot of the Christmas and Pentecost. The force of all that we see, both the stars to find the wind. For his will is huge, and we must say it loud. God himself to the earth is coming. We are the first to come to tell this wonderful story of God's working of his glory and working in his own story. Ready? Are you ready? What can you receive? Nothing will ever be the same after this declaration you are making. Do not be afraid. I believe good news that occurs in joy. In Bethlehem, a baby is born, and he's so much more than the souls of God. This is for all the people who have been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Come and see him, all of you.
was a light in the darkness, and God's plan had been changed. That's why the great darkness is very dangerous, and God's the ultimate in that The dark is so dark. The light is so dark. Sing some songs, but you guys want to move to the front to the stage?
Hi everyone, my name is Luke and I'm the Princess Pastor here at Willow Park Church. Here's your family news for this week. Luke, and I'm an apprentice pastor here at Willow Park Church. Here's your family news for this week. Living Nativity is happening this coming week. This is the biggest outreach to our community that we do as a church, and we hope that you will get involved. We are having nine Living Nativity services over three days, and there are still a few areas where we need volunteers. We need some more people to help with parking, bathroom cleaning, that's a fun one, vacuuming, ushering, and hosting. We are also looking for a few more people who have very young babies who would like to play the role of baby Jesus in the drama. If you'd like to be involved, please sign up on our website or using the Church Center app. And don't forget to invite your friends and family to attend Living Nativity with you this year. To pre-register and save your spot, visit livingnativity.ca. Because Living Nativity will be happening at our Highway 33 campus all weekend, there will be no regular church services next Sunday at our Rutland location. However, we will be having regular church services at our South and Creekside campuses. Christmas Eve is also coming up soon, and we have six Christmas Eve services planned. To help us make sure we stay within the capacity requirements set out by the latest health guidelines, you will now need to register online to save your spot for Christmas Eve. You can do that by visiting our website or using the Church Center app. That is all for our family news. Thank you and have a wonderful week. Hey, Willow Park Church family. My name is Glenn and I'm the executive pastor and I just wanted to give you a quick update on the amazing response we had last week from my little video about giving. As we come to the end of the year, we've got three Sundays. Really, it's only two, because uh, one of the Sundays is, uh, is Boxing Day, before the end of the year. And so last week, I said that if you wanted to join in with our encouragement to increase monthly giving by at least 10%, uh, we've, we've just seen so many people do that, and we're so grateful. And uh, all sorts of different amounts, but it, please, if you would consider and pray about doing that, if everybody who gives monthly increased their giving by at least 10% by the end of the year, we would see a profound effect on our budget. That would be amazing. So please join in with those who've already done it before the end of the year. And you can go to willapartchurch.com, give in order to find out how to do that. If you have yet to start giving, then you can do that today. There's lots of different ways. You can use your QR code. You can use the envelope that's in front of you and put it into the bag. Uh, you can go to willapartchurch.com give, and there's lots of different ways you can give there as well. And then before the end of the year, many of you give larger lump sums, which we love, um, because it all goes to the work of the gospel in our city, in our province, nation, and world. 
And so if you want to do that, then uh, that would be wonderful. And we are so appreciative. We're excited about 2022. We're believing for great things. And all of these gifts and all of these increases have a tremendous impact. Thanks so much. God bless. song encompasses your whole mission that you are the light in the darkness and Lord as we bow and as we worship and as we praise you Lord I'm thankful that you continue to shine and Lord I pray as we just move into this next part of our service that God that your presence will be felt in this place Lord, we all recognize that family can be messy and church is never perfect, whatever that looks like. Lord, we know that you are perfect, that you are present, that you love us. You continue to woo and speak and change us, Lord, and that's our prayer this morning. In your precious and holy name, we love you. Amen. 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 Please take your seats. I'm going to invite the uh, four families to come, and uh, I think uh, Courtney's going to also help. Are they going around this side? Okay. That's great. Let's give the worship team a big round of applause while they do that. They did a great job, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, you can leave it just now. We might need it in a minute if that's okay. Thank you. Can we move them out of the way completely, or is that... Hey, so many COVID babies. Oh, is that pre? I'm sorry, Isabel. Isabel's a pre-COVID baby. <laughs> I feel like they look amazing, and the babies look great too. Look at them. You can take a, a, a step forward, guys, because we are recording it. Maybe I don't know where to stand because I don't want to get in the way. I'm just going to move around. Okay, so if you are watching online, welcome. Uh, we're so grateful that you're joining us. I'm looking at this camera because uh, there are family members who aren't able to join us, and we wanted to make sure that everybody could be seen. And uh, yeah, we're just, uh, it's just, just, I love doing baby dedications. Um, we, uh, uh, we, as a church, as a, as a denomination, as a belief, we, we believe in dedicating children as per Jesus being dedicated in the temple. And I'm actually speaking this morning about that as well. And so uh, as per our tradition that we believe is very biblical, uh, we want to make sure that we pray for these amazing little ones and the mums and dads. And also, as a church, we have a responsibility. Those of you who have been brought up in church and have been around the South uh, long enough, you know that it really is parenting by village. There are, we're, we're all connected. We're good friends with one another. We love one another. We love one another's kids. And so we have a responsibility as well. So there will be something for you to do in just a second as well. The family is a divine constitution that God uh, put together right from the beginning of time. And children, we believe, are a heritage of the Lord. We believe that as parents, we have this amazing responsibility to see them thrive, to grow up in the knowledge of Him, 
And, uh, and we want to pray and bless you in that so that as you endeavor to give them all the care that they need and all the provision, the protection that you want to give them as parents and their spiritual training. So what we're going to do is we've got some beautiful photos that I'm going to click my way through. So uh, let me introduce you to them all. Is this going to work? There we go. Abigail. There's Abigail. She's looking lovely, and uh, Shannon and Jordan. So uh, in their verse for this morning, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I love that verse. So this is baby Abigail. So why don't we give them a round of applause? Let's see who is next. Then we have Amelia, and uh, this is baby Amelia and Zoltan Allison. She's not too impressed. She's usually smiling all the time. She's not too sure. Right now, normally in a baby dedication, this is my opportunity for pastor to be, uh, to be embarrassed a little bit because you're usually holding a squirmy baby, but because of COVID, we're, we're not doing that this morning. Although I think I have maybe cuddled the majority of them. Um, but uh, baby Amelia, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then we have Isabel. <laughs> She's so cute. Put on then on God's. This is Chad and Hannah. Let's give Isabel a round of applause. Did we give Amelia a round of applause? Did I forget that? Did I give Abigail a round of applause? Okay, I want to make sure everybody is getting their applauses because uh, that's, that's important with Chad and Hannah. Uh, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Says baby Isabel, and then Rohan. Look at that dude. <laughs> yeah, he's loving this. This is great. <laughs> Oh, maybe not so much. I don't know. Okay. I know there was a lot of discussion around this verse. Um, so there was a lot of back and forth. They were trying to decide the verse Courtney told me. So this is the verse they landed on. Praise God. And she said, oh, my Lord. Haven't we all said that a few times? <laughs> As you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Fantastic verse. So let's, uh, let's move into the dedication part. As this act of dedication, I'm going to charge you and ask you a few questions in just a second. And I'm going to do it really quickly, because so I know they get more and more wriggly. And really, it Please just relax as much as you possibly can. The parents acknowledge these responsibilities, and they come before us today to de dedicate themselves and their children to God and His will for their lives as a family. Their public acknowledgement is that their children are a gift from God to them and that they have a spiritual responsibility for the Christian nurture and training of their children. So you have all brought your children to the house of God this morning before us today to publicly dedicate them to the Lord. So I have a series of questions for you, and in unison you can answer, I will. And you've seen all these questions before so that you've been able to think and pray through them in your own time. And so please affirm your desire by answering each of them, I will. So, all of you, will you accept your God-given responsibility to raise your child 
in a Christ-centered home? Okay, good. Will you teach and lovingly disciple him and discipline him or her and seek to impart biblical knowledge and spiritual values to your child? Will you make your life choices based on what will benefit and strengthen the family, uh, your faith and your family? Okay. If you could all please stand, church family. Church family, will you as the community of faith support these parents and their children by your Christian love and example that you set in your lives? If so, please all of you say, I will. I will. Let's pray for them. Please stay standing. Father, we thank you for these amazing children. We thank you, Lord, for the families that they have all been brought into. Lord, we feel the weight of responsibility to see these children thrive. As parents, Lord, they're going to feel that. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill these parents up with a tremendous sense of your presence. Give them, Lord, promises for their children. Lord, give them words on a daily basis. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that they will dedicate themselves to seeking you first, as truly that is the most loving thing they can do for their child. Lord, I pray that in their moments with you, that God, that you would speak clearly, guide them, show them, teach them, Lord. Let them grow in their faith as they seek to lead and see their children grow in their faith. Father, I pray, just like Samuel anointed David from their head to their toe, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would rush upon them. From this day forward, Lord, let them feel your, your presence, your power, and your love. And Lord, we pray for their children, these lovely ones, Lord. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that for every one of them, that they would know you, that, God, they would come into a knowledge of you early in their lives. And Father, I pray they would do great things on behalf of you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for Rohan, for Abigail, for Isabel, for Amelia, Lord. I pray that this generation would see things that we have not seen. Lord, I pray for leadership in their lives. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would guide them solidly, that they would hear your voice, that, Lord, just like the Israelites ran after David, that, Lord, that we too, this generation, would run after them because of their love for you and their leadership. Lord, we pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a big round of applause. You may take your seats. Guys, you did brilliantly well. I believe Courtney has some gifts for you over there. You guys did great. Aren't they amazing? Ah. It's a nice thing about being a pastor is I look at the mums and dads and I've known them for a long time. I think of Chad and Hannah. I think I've known Chad and Hannah since they were in like grade nine. Would that be about right? And uh, yeah, so good. Praise God. See you guys. <laughs> All right. So again, welcome those of you who are joining us online, and uh, we're so grateful that you have done that, and we're praying that you will have a, a wonderful experience with God over the next few minutes as I share uh, just a few thoughts from our scripture reading that I will read in just a minute. Before we get there, just a little bit of family news. Um, we, as you know, those of you who call South 
uh, home or call Willow Park Church home. We found out a few months ago that uh, there is no likelihood that the school district that have been very kind and generous to us over the last almost 20 years uh, in using this building, that they were going through a process of looking to see what would be uh, possible with the increasing population of children, as you could see, in this area. And, uh, and one of the things that they are putting forward is to retrofit this building back into a school. It used to be a school, Bellevue Creek Elementary, and they're going through a process now of examining what that might look like in the future. We've been told that in all likelihood, it is going to happen. Uh, we've been told that there are four plans, A, B, C, and D, all of which are going to be presented to the school district board uh, in January. And plans A through to D all include taking the school back and retrofitting it uh, back to me in a school. And so we've been praying about this for a long time, or at least uh, several months. It's been one of those constant, okay, Lord, um, it's, it's amazing that this, it's almost like the second that we find out that we're losing the building, our congregation numbers go up. And uh, the Lord has a tremendous sense of humor. I'm still trying to find that in this moment, but, um, it's, uh, but we've been praying and we've been looking hard, the team. We've not kind of just been sitting back and going, well, we'll figure it out. As you've heard me say many times, we trust in God and we lock our car. We do both. Right? So our trusting God means the Lord is in control. Our locking the car means is that we've been looking at every possible opportunity. We really want to see a, an expression of God's community in the mission. The mission area of Kelowna, as you know, is exploding in growth. There is very little community uh, centers. And many of you have given lots and lots of ideas. I'm going to hazard a guess that we've been down each of the trails that you can think of and come back. Um, so please keep the ideas coming, but if you see me slightly glaze over, it might be because, yeah, we've, we've, we've downed that trail and we've headed back. So what I've got to tell you this morning is I want you to pray about something that has been going on now for a, almost six to eight weeks, and we've been having conversations with KGF. KGF is the church just down the road in the mission, and so KGF are also letting their congregation know that uh, we're entering into a time of discernment and prayer to see what it is that God is saying to both congregations. Uh, there, I, I know this will immediately fire. What does that mean? I don't know <laughs> yet. What I do know is that, that both churches are open to praying about uh, how we can support one another in ministry, which is really exciting. Because what I've heard many of you say many times is why can't churches just work together if we're all on the same side? And so we're going to explore that a little bit. I don't know, and, and trust me, I have a million questions. Those of you who know me well, I'm a planner. I want to know the answers. And the Lord, again, in his deep sense of humor, seems to just keep those away from me until I really need to know them. But, so this is what we're asking the congregations to do, is to pray. We believe totally in Willow Park Church. We believe in all that Willow Park Church means we are not, we have no intention of closing the south. No intention at all. We believe strongly that the Lord wants to widen the tempex, not reduce them. And so please have that set in your mind. But what that looks like is going to be the fun part to find out. 
And so I'm asking you and those of you online as well to pray about that. If you hear anything that you think might be from the Lord, any scriptures, any impressions, any, any ideas, then please let me know. Uh, email me and uh, we'd love to be able to uh, work through those and discern those as well. So exciting times. We will see what the Lord has. And, uh, and we also have this amazing plan B, which is also still using this building in September in a portable church kind of model. Okay, that's good news, isn't it? I think so. Thank you. Jared thinks it's good news. You and me, Jared. We're all right. All right, let's, um, let's turn to the Word of God. We're going uh, to get to Luke in just a minute, uh, right at the beginning of Luke. But you might have remembered a few months ago, I shared some very important piece of news about the spreadability of butter. Do you remember that? those of you who are here, that deep research had gone into Canada because suddenly butter had become unspreadable. I know. This is important. Research was made. Dollars were spent, quite rightly, on finding out... Can you sense some sarcasm? Uh, in finding out why butter all of a sudden in Canada had become non-spreadable. And the answer was, we don't know. Today, I have more news to share with you that I think is groundbreaking. So those of you who journal, you might want to write this down. This is really important. MIT scientists figure out how to get ketchup out of the bottle. Praise the Lord. I've been waiting for this news for as long as I've used ketchup. It's important. Please, let's not mock this too much yet. Here are the facts. Ketchup flows out of, this is what the MIT scientists tell us, MIT mind, not messing around. The facts, ketchup flows out of a glass bottle at a rate of 0.28 miles an hour. I did think about converting that into kilometers an hour, and I thought, no. Slower than a Galapagos tortoise. They have compared the speed... Friends, are you not realizing the enormity of this research? They have compared the speed of ketchup to a tortoise. And they have found that tortoises zip along at a blazing 0.16 miles an hour, six times faster than ketchup. <laughs> Pause for effect. Dave Smith, a PhD candidate at MIT, I bet he's got lots of friends, and a team of MIT mechanical engineers and nanotechnologists have offered a possible solution to this ketchup flow problem. After months of research, I can't believe this is Time Magazine. You can check me if you don't believe me. Smith and his team developed, quote, Liquiglide, which they define as a, quote, kind of structured liquid. See, if I was an MT engineer, the word kind of wouldn't actually enter my vocabulary. It is or it isn't. But anyway, kind of structured liquid that's rigid like a solid but lubricated like a liquid. End quote. The researchers say that quoting the inside of a bottle with liquid glide will cause the ketchup and other sources to slide out faster than a Galapagos tortoise. Wow. <sighs> I've been waiting. This has been building up in me all week to share this news with you. The squeezy ketchup bottle industry must be terrified. <laughs> the fact that we cannot wait. We need the speed of a tortoise on our ketchup. This slow ketchup delivery needs to change, as per the squeegee ketchup bottle industry discovered a few years ago. 
But I think it's really interesting, joking aside, and I mean, I could get quite hot under the collar thinking about the amount of money spent on this, but anyway, that's, that's one thing that I will mock another day. But the fact that we are not able to wait, that, and apart from the joy that was found in trying to slap the back of the ketchup bottle and then suddenly it coming out in like ocean levels rather than small levels and, you know, all that, but... But the waiting, we're not good at waiting, are we? So much so we're willing to spend money on it like this. We need to speed things up. We're not good at waiting. How are you with waiting? Now, before we get a little judgmental about everybody else, how are you when it comes to lineups at Save-On or, or any other store? Are you assessing people's items in their basket thinking, right, that's more than 12 items, my friend. You're in the wrong line. And you're getting all kind of annoyed about that, lining up, waiting for the traffic to move, uh, waiting for your Amazon package. We, we need things quickly. I want to introduce you to a man in the Christmas story whose actual calling was to wait. Look at this, Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 26. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon's actual purpose and calling in life was to wait for a promise. It's not very dynamic, is it? It's not very exciting. And yet for Simeon, he was a righteous and devout man filled with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit was on him, and he was waiting. He was waiting for this promise. Friends, if you are a Christian this morning, then we are in the waiting business. We, we are firmly in the not yet. Advent is all about waiting for something to come, the coming We're in the not yet, the kingdom come. We're believing that the kingdom of God is here. We're believing that it is also coming. We believe that all that the promise of the Bible says about the kingdom of God, the love, the joy, the peace, and all that it represents is a promise that is coming to us. But we are living in the not yet. We're waiting. On a personal level, maybe you have promises. Promises that you know that you know that you know God said to you, And yet, when you look at your life or your circumstance, you don't see any evidence for that promise coming about. We're in good company. In Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see this whole list of the faithful, uh, the heroes, if you like, of the faith. And the the writer of Hebrews actually says this right in the middle. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. See, the promise that they were waiting for was the same promise that Simeon was waiting for. His name is Jesus. They were waiting. This Christmas story is about the waiting on Jesus. And so Simeon, like these people, were still living by faith when they died. They were still, some of them, thousands of years away from Jesus coming that they had yet to see. They looked at the signs. They heard from the Lord, and yet they hadn't yet seen Jesus. And yet their positivity, they welcomed this promise. There was no frustration. Like Simeon, he was paying attention. He was waiting patiently. He was knowing that good things were going to come, and he was content with the waiting. 
We are not content with waiting. We need our catch-up faster. We need this line to disappear because at this moment, I am the most important person in Savon. I've got way more stuff to do than anybody else. Let me get through. I need to save that 30 seconds. We don't like waiting. And yet Christianity is about waiting. Not just empty waiting, not just hopeless waiting, but a waiting that actually enables and empowers because you know that better things to come. Have you gotten everything, Christian friend, have you got everything that you have been promised by God? If you've not got those promises, then I encourage you to seek him and get those promises. It might be a verse. It might be a picture. It might be just this deep sense that you know, that you know, that you know that something is going to happen. That something is going to happen. What promises have been given to you? If I could, and if we had time this morning, and maybe we can do it at the end, but if I was going to say, okay, let's just sailor for a minute. Let's just pause and consider. And you reach in and get your journal out, which I hope you all have a journal. And you look at the things that the Lord has said to you maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that have yet to come about. What would they be? Maybe you've been promised somebody to love. That right now you're single, right now that you, you feel this, this sense of emptiness because you are single and our culture doesn't do well with single people. Oh, are, are you in a relationship? Oh, yeah, you are. Oh, great. When are you getting married? Well, is this push towards all the time and what it does is in reverse it just creates can create guilt and shame and frustration our culture doesn't do well with singleness that's a whole other sermon but maybe god has given you a promise that there's going to be someone to love in your life maybe a promise of clarity about a life direction you're just not sure what those next steps are and god's given you a promise but you don't know what it looks like yet Maybe you've been praying for a job or a better job so you can fulfill some of those dreams that God has given you or to be able to better provide for your family. You just feel that God has said to you and you've had people confirm it and scriptures that confirm it and yet it is yet to come. This is one of the hardest ones. Maybe you have a prodigal. For those of you who aren't sure what a prodigal is, you probably don't have one. Prodigal is a loved one who has gone far, far away, not just from faith, but from your life. And you ache, and just like the prodigal's father, you're looking at the ridge of that hill, waiting for them to return, and you have a sense, you have a promise that one day it's going to happen, but perhaps you and I may never see it. Are we okay with that? Maybe you're waiting for your business to turn around. Maybe you're waiting for your health to come back to your body. Maybe you're waiting for love to be injected back into a marriage that feels broken and going the wrong way. And you've got a promise. Can I encourage you that Christianity is about waiting patiently for the promises to come to fruition. And yet living in a way that is comfortable and content. And we have to fight for this sometimes. Often. We have to fight for this. Um, 
They're probably watching online, so I need to be careful what I say, but Sarah and I have uh, really good friends, our best friends in, uh, in Britain called Chris and Emma. Some of you have met them. They've visited a few times, and, uh, and Chris and Emma have this amazing story. They've been married probably about the same time as us, give or take. Uh, almost 30 years, and Emma was brought up in a Christian family, and then when she went to university, if I get this wrong, they're going to be texting probably as I speak, um, that Emma went uh, to university and kind of drifted away from the Lord for a little while and met Chris. And Chris is, I think it's fair to say, Chris fills a room. He, he, he really is a lot of fun at university. I, I wasn't at university with him, although we're the same age. Uh, I can imagine that Chris, for a, a young uh, lady, Chris would have been like, you know, a great guy. You're welcome, Chris, because um, I know you're watching. You'll enjoy this. And, um, but Chris didn't know Jesus. And so they fell in love. They got married. Then Emma came back to the Lord full on. They had children, two amazing, now young men who are doing brilliantly well. For years, 25 years, Emma prayed for Chris. And I don't mind saying this publicly because I know I would say it to Chris, and Chris would say it. Chris was exceptionally cynical about Christianity. Super smart, very quick-witted. He would look for anything he possibly could to make fun of when it comes to Christianity. He's not kind of a, he, he he, he would just go after it. So much so, it was a little awkward at times, but Emma prayed and prayed and prayed. She had a promise. She believed. And, and eventually, over the years, Chris actually started coming to church. Didn't really want to go to church, but went because his boys and his wife went to church. And good on him. I admire that. I admired it about him for years. That he was still a long way, and yet, because of his wife and because of his kids, he went every week. He even joined a men's group. <laughs> I feel kind of sorry for the leader of that men's group, knowing Chris, but he got involved in the life of the church. About three years ago, we've been in constant contact over the years, even when we left, and, and uh, about three years ago, I got a phone call, and he said, uh, he said, Glenn, I've got some news. I went, oh, all right. He said, um, I want you to baptize me. And I was like, <laughs> good one, Chris. He went, no, I, I became a Christian last weekend. And he told me the story, and I remember, it chokes me up now, you're welcome, Chris. He told me the story of the way that God just went, okay, now, and yanked him in. Like so much so, his wife, Emma, couldn't believe it. And as some of you know, we went over to Britain as part when we were on our sabbatical, and, uh, and, he, and I, got to, I got to baptize Chris. I got some pictures. This is us in the river in Bala. North Wales, that river is cold. Okay, but, uh, and I was thinking already, this isn't going to go well, because it's only, it's quite shallow, and it's quite fast-flowing, this river. And so we, we dunked him in, good old Mennonite style. Then it went horribly wrong, because my foot here was underneath Chris, and I slipped on the rock. And then we end up floating down the river. It's one of my favorite photos. He saved my life, right, Chris? Out of that three foot. You see, the beautiful thing about promises of God is they give you something to anchor into. Can I encourage you, if you're waiting, anchor in. Don't give up. Can you imagine if Simeon had gone, hmm, nah, not going to go to the temple today. Been waiting too long. Would have missed it. 
How long will you have to wait? I don't know. What matters is how we wait. We wait with poise and patience rather than bitterness or selfishness. We say, Lord, even if I don't get to see this, I'm going to continue to pray. And as we have dedicated these amazing children, parents, those of you who have just dedicated, can I encourage you to seek the Lord for the promises for your children and then hold on to them because I will guarantee you they will test those promises. Hold on to them. You're going to need them. You're going to need them. Let me show you this. This is a trapeze. If any of you have seen Cirque du Soleil, you'll have seen this happen. And uh, it's quite fascinating how this actually works. I won't go into it in great detail. It's an amazing picture of the Christian life. See, this person here has already let go of the trapeze. And their job is to wait. Because if they grab out, this person won't be able to get them. Their literal job is to wait and be as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck them out of the air. One of the flying rudellas, who I'm guessing with a name like that was a trapeze artist, said this, quote, The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. Sometimes our job as parents and as husbands, as wives, as friends, as leaders, as business owners, as children, is just to wait. Not to get frustrated and try and grab and make things happen, but to wait. Recognize our lack of control in our ability to be caught. And as parents, we have to hold our children with open hands. I've said this so many times. And that is almost like the process of open hands... But the incredible thing is, is that we think, well, who am I in this picture and who's this? You know, really, as parents, this is us, this is God. We wait on the Lord, not on our children. Some of you need to hear that. You're not waiting on your child to come back. You are waiting on God to start drawing them back. There's a big difference. Because now you can anchor your faith in God, not in the child. That's massive for some of you this morning. That the one that you are waiting on is God. Now where this analogy starts to fail is that you might not see it. And I didn't know how to build that into the analogy if in your lifetime you don't get caught. So forget that part of the analogy. Let's just stick with this one. But you're reaching for God, not for your child. You're reaching for God, not your promise. You're reaching for God, not your change in finances. You're reaching for God, not your change in circumstances or your health or anything else that you are waiting for. That is not it. This is not your child. This is God. Sometimes we have to wait years and sometimes we won't ever see the change. Are we okay with that? But one day, Simeon saw... Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. This is Jesus setting the example for child dedication. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Can you imagine the feeling? I'm holding the promise of God. I can die, is what Simeon was saying. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people of Israel. The child's father and the mother marveled at what was said about them. I bet they did. There's nothing like a new parent enjoying when somebody else holds their baby and goes, oh, what a beautiful baby. Or when you go and see them and you kind of extol the child's virtues, the parent feels good, and that's great, quite rightly too. But Simeon wasn't done. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon drops the mic and leaves. Siri, Simeon. Happens all the time. Simeon drops the mic and we never hear from him again. Some people will resist this hope, Simeon said. Some people are still resisting this hope. Some people are in midair, scrambling, all the time sinking. Thinking that they can get across. Thinking that they're going to make the, the, their life fulfilled for them. All the time reaching for something they're never going to catch. Oh, and Mary, dear Mary, pain is coming your way. A sword will pierce your own soul too. And I wonder whether Mary remembers these words when he, she sees her son dying on a cross. Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. And Simeon was right. Children have a habit of doing that. Life has a habit of doing that. And yet Mary was able to hold on to the promise that Simeon said about what change Jesus would bring into the world. And all this happening, all this happened in the temple. And, and I just want to show you this really, really quickly. On the eighth day, this is just the, uh, the, the um, previous verses. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name of the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, we're going to do the sacrificing of pigeons later, by the way. Parents who just dedicated your children. Joking online, I'm joking. We're not going to do that. To offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. The temple is an incredibly important place, and I want to draw all this together just by showing this with you. The temple at the time of the Jews was an incredible, incredible place. It was literally where heaven and earth, as far as the Jewish people were concerned, intersected. When you were in the temple, you could go into the presence of God. So they believed not necessarily heaven up there, but heaven that God was in, intersecting with earth, at the temple. And if I was going to draw it, this is what it might look like. Where heaven intersects earth. So you've got heaven, you've got earth, and then the temple. And those different things that Jesus went through, his circumcision, his naming, his consecration, and his sacrifice, literally have re- happened in the temple, in this intersection. It's earth and heaven coming together. So in the circumcision, what it does is it symbolizes a relationship with God. The naming is symbolic of the identity that Jesus has with God. 
The consecration is the giving of a purpose. And then the sacrifice is symbolic of being accepted, atoned, one with God. And so when the children were brought into the temple, these different things happened because they believed that the temple was where God's presence was. And they were literally, like we read with uh, Jared and Chanel's scripture, they're lending their child to God. And so when a young child came into the temple, and these are my own words and grammatically a bit clunky, so forgive me, but really it, it, was, it was basically no ones becoming some ones in the intersection of heaven and earth. That a no one comes into the temple but leaves as someone because they have been touched by this intersection between earth and heaven. That makes sense. Because of what happened in the temple, they can leave the temple having now become someone. Before that, the Jewish people believed there were no ones. And so Jesus came in, he's seen and he's set apart and given a divine purpose. Given a divine purpose. As Christians, we believe Christmas is about heaven and earth intersecting. Where Jesus, fully God, fully man, comes to earth. And in that moment, there is atonement. There is relationship, there's identity, there's purpose, and there's acceptance. Found in Jesus. Because part of the reason Jesus got into so much trouble when he was on earth is he started saying things that were hugely problematic for the Jewish people. He would say things like this. I tell you that one, i.e. me, Jesus, is greater than the temple is here. Now we think of that as just like somebody saying, well, one's here who's greater than Starbucks. What he's actually saying is, I am greater than what you see as earth and heaven intersecting. That's mind-blowing for a Jewish person at that time. And so typical Jesus, not being content with just saying it once, he says it again in a different kind of way, but even ramps it up a bit. I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. It's an amazing thing for Jesus to say. But you see, in Jesus, there is relationship with God. In Jesus, there's identity with God. In Jesus, there's purpose in God. And in Jesus, there's acceptance with God. And can I add as well a fifth one? In Jesus, there is waiting on the promises that God has given. And then Jesus and the writers of the New Testament continue and say, you yourselves are God's temple, for we are the temple of the living God. So it is completely biblical for me to say, in you, there is relationship with God. In you, there is identity with God. In you, there is purpose and there is acceptance in God. What does that mean? What it means is, is when friends, Christian friends, those of you who believe that Jesus was smashed onto the cross for our sin and shame, it died with him. We rise with him in newness of life when we confess that he is Lord and believe that he is God and we seek that forgiveness of sins. The adventure starts and we as temples of the living God go into our community and we take identity, we take purpose, we take acceptance and we take relationship because what we do, our lives communicate the intercession section of earth and heaven. That is amazing. You are the intersections. You are as close to heaven that some people are ever going to get. Let that sink in. That what you say, what you do, 
how you conduct yourselves, you are representing heaven on earth. And that's also biblical, right? On earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom of God now, we are the temple. Are we able to forgive sins? Not in the same way God forgives sins. There isn't atonement found in us, but what we can do is we can point to the one who is the atonement. That you yourselves are God's temple, and we are the temple of the living God. So Jesus continues to intersect the world through you and I. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven through you. And the weight of that responsibility is enormous. Because your words, my words, my actions, my purpose, my responses all either point towards Jesus or away from him. So when we volunteer somewhere, when we seriously pray for someone, when we seek reconciliation where it seems like there is a chasm, when we get an idea to be generous, and not only an idea, but actually follow through with it. You know, we've all had those ideas. Yeah, it would be really great for me to give to uh, that organization or Willow Park Church. I should get on that someday. Um, When we spend time with somebody that we ordinarily wouldn't seek out, when we have a hard conversation with someone because it's the most loving thing that we can do, when we remember to be grateful, when we use our spiritual gifts, when we seek to volunteer and service, when we wait with poise and patience and joyfulness and gratefulness and unselfish love, we're all communicating earth and heaven intersecting. You are the temple of God. You are no one's having become someone so you can show someone else the someone. That's really bad grammar. But hopefully you'll get what I'm talking about. You are the portal where heaven is intersecting earth. And like Simeon, our whole lives may be just waiting for something to come. Let's live and wait with poise and with purpose and love and respect for others. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, it's impossible to approach the incarnation, the Christmas story, without being humbled by the enormity of it. That Lord Jesus, you came, that history was forever changed. That Lord, that you came fully God, fully man, and lived life in such a way where you continued to show heaven intersecting earth. And Lord, we come before you now as children of the living God. Those of you who, those of us who are maybe just seeking and reaching, not quite there yet, Lord, we, we come to you. And Lord, I pray that this Christmas, that heaven will intersect our lives. Lord, I pray for the promises that you have made to these wonderful people. And Lord, even though we accept that the promise might not come to fruition this Christmas or maybe anytime soon, Lord, we're thankful that you are in control. Help us wait gracefully, lovingly, with poise and patience. Lord, we pray for our loved ones. 
We pray for the people around us. We pray for the people we work with. Lord, I pray that they would see you in all your fullness in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you're able to change your life so much that we can represent you in this world. And so, Lord, now I pray as we worship you as one final song. That, Lord, you would remind us of the promises you've made to us. Lord, you would remind us of the calling you have given to us. Fill this place, Lord. Fill me, I pray, in Jesus' name.